Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. If you've got some elements, focus the entire organization around those elements because everything else that you do is just table stake. Focus on those two or three things that truly separate you in order to really be successful. Can I get it? Oh, yeah. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to the Enterprise Now podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. Dr. Bamford led both M&A and corporate training groups for 12 years prior to pursuing his PhD. He is the author of The Strategy Mindset 2.0, as well as two of the market-leading and entrepreneurship textbooks used in undergraduate and graduate programs around the world. Chuck is a regular speaker at conferences, trade shows, corporate events, and conventions. He is also the author of the fiction novel, Some Things Are Never Forgiven. All right, let's dig in. All right, Chuck, can I get an oh yeah? (laughs) I would say that my usual oh yeah is to say employees are not your competitive advantage. We don't go out of business. If we lose an employee, we replace them. Employees are how we deliver on our competitive advantages, and it makes a huge difference in how we think about a business. That was really good. But by oh yeah, what I mean is I need you to give me a oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. There we go. First of all. (laughs) It's my oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Own your oh yeah. (laughs) First of all, Chuck, let me say thank you for taking the time out to talk with us. I know before we hit record, you have a ton of things to do today. So thank you for taking some time out to share with us. More than glad to do so. Glad to have the opportunity. Second thing I like to do is to ask you to tell us about yourself. Now, when I say that, feel free to go all the way back to where it all started, or you can start more current day. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, I'll skip all the parts that aren't too impressive or embarrass me along the way. I worked in the industry for about 12 years After graduation from my undergrad, uh, most of that in merger and acquisition work, decided to go back and get a PhD. And then for the next uh, 16 years, I was a classic professor. I I was exactly what you think of in terms of an academic. I held an endowed chair. I was tenured. I was a full professor. And then I decided that I really wanted to have more of an impact on business, to be honest. I felt like I really enjoyed the teaching, 
aspect of academia, but it wasn't, didn't feel like I was making as much of an impact on business practice as I could. So I left full-time academia, gave up tenure, much to the chagrin of my friends, and started a consulting company, which that's been going on for just over seven years now, doing strategy design, strategy implementation, consulting. And then I still teach So I do adjunct teaching at Duke University at the Fuqua School of Business and at the University of Notre Dame at Mendoza, literally fly up there. Fuqua is only 15 minutes down the road from where I live. So I still teach in uh, executive MBA and MBA programs a bit. Probably do the rest of my time is spent uh, writing because I've got, uh, as you mentioned, several. I've got seven books out. So that's sort of my quick history. Nice. So you mentioned you wanted to make a bigger impact, and I want to dive into that a little bit more later. But for now, I want to backtrack a little bit and learn a little bit more about you. What's your favorite thing to do? You're going to think I'm a nerd, but I think my favorite thing to do is to sit quietly and write. I think a lot of people don't enjoy it. I just really do. Got it. So sitting quietly and writing, is that hard for you to do? I know myself with the family and the kids, sometimes that's a little difficult to do. How do you find the time and the space to do that? Well, I'm in a very fortunate situation or time in my life, an empty nester. And so the only disruptions really occur if if the grandkids come over. We've got lots of extra rooms. My wife works at home a lot of times as well. We just kind of quietly work during the day and then I don't really find it a problem at all. But now I do need two to three cups of coffee in the morning before I can get to that point. But usually it gets going. Got it. Now, this question sometimes throws people off, but I love to ask it because of the variety of answers that I get. If you could meet anyone in the world, who would it be and what would you say to them? (laughs) So I actually have this response to several folks who have asked something similar, not exactly the way you put it, Elsie, but it would probably be, honestly, the Dalai Lama. And I'd really like to understand how you attain inner peace because it seems like things, my brain's always going, things are always happening inside. So I probably would, I would probably do that. And I would consider that to be one of those life check marks if I could do it. So what would inner peace get you? Why inner peace? Yeah, I think it would just quiet every, if I could quiet everything down, not only could I do a whole lot more, but I think I would do better with my kids, my grandkids, the students I teach. Back in the day, I'll do a quickie for you. Back in the day, I was labeled hyperactive. Nowadays, they probably would have called it ADHD. And so it's the, you know, the sort of the constant stuff going on keeps me constantly going. Or It has a pro and a con. And one of those is sort of constant inside stuff happening, which would just be fine not to, not to always have to deal with. Now, if you had to give one thing you do to overcome challenges, what would that be? Yeah, it's writing it all down. So I run into, for me, and again, not everybody does this, I like paper and, and a pen. But if I can get it all written down, what the issue is, and that gives me a chance to sort of map out how I'll solve it. And I'm sort of a picture guy. I have no artistic talent whatsoever, but I draw pictures all the time about how I'm going to accomplish something. And it usually helps me get around problems that I had struggle figuring out in my head. Top two keys to success. Mm, There's a tough one. I guess I'm only going to have to say it for me. Number one is to never stop believing that you can accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish. Just might take 
a whole lot longer than you think it's going to take. And I think the second one is one I've gone back to even back into my high school days is I always felt like I was not the smartest guy in the class, more the smartest person in the room, but I'm going to out persevere just about everybody. So I think it's a focus down, work hard kind of approach to accomplishing. It's a really good point. I think that's a great life lesson as well. Perseverance is key. It really is. You make a good point. It's amazing what can be done by the willingness to just keep pushing at it. So we've learned a little bit about you, what makes you tick. And I'd like to revisit the impact statement that you made before wanting to have a greater impact. I'm assuming, and that's a really dangerous thing, that you started your company because you wanted to make a greater impact. So talk a little bit about that and what your company does. <laughs> Indeed. So Kurt harkens back just a little bit. When I was in M&A, I was constantly surprised to find out that research had already debunked a lot of the stuff that we were doing in business or had come up with better techniques. I was always like, why don't we know about this stuff? So when I got into academia, I realized this is so much of this is known. There's so many things that we already know how to how to do. Why isn't this getting out? And as I was teaching my classes, undergrads are great, but unfortunately, it's going to be 20 years before they can put into practice the strategy stuff that I'm trying to teach them. And quite honestly, unfortunately, by then it's somewhat changed. I mean, it changes fairly regularly. So really wanted to be able to get more direct impact. I love executive MBAs because they're normally all out there in business. They're fairly experienced. They need to use the stuff right away. And MBAs who can get into this quickly can do the exact same thing. But my business is really focused about doing it directly for companies. So I like to get into these companies, get into organizations. We've worked with over 120 in the last seven years. Get into these organizations and really help them figure out what separates them in the minds of customers such that customers will go past their competitors and come to them and get past these face validity kind of things, as I mentioned, sorry, in my inappropriate, oh yeah, that employees are not our competitive advantage, but how we deliver on them. But to get to elements that really make a difference, really implement strategy, and quite honestly, just change the game for these companies. The sales soar, the EBITDA soars. I mean, it's just, it's been a remarkable run. It's been a lot of fun. Talk a little bit about, I'm reading here, persistent myths businesses mistakenly apply to strategy. What's that all about? Yeah. So I think that I actually could have written an entire book on strategy myths, but after a while, you just kind of get to the point where, oh, yeah, well, yeah, no, that's right. Let's move on. What would actually work? So we have all these myths out there that are unfortunately perpetuated by an awful lot of people because they're easy to understand, they're quick. So things like SWAT. Right. So for those who unfortunately don't know SWAT, cover your ears right now and don't listen to the next 10 <laughs> seconds. But it's right a whole path of supposedly putting up on a wall your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And what happens is people sit in a room with post-it notes and they're like, oh, yeah, this is one of our strengths. Oh, look at this. This is a weakness. And they fill out this chart and it tells us absolutely nothing. It's just 
you know, it feels good, it's easy to do, and it tells us nothing. So a classic kind of thing they'll put up in strengths is, you know, our people are competitive advantage, or our competitive advantage is quality, or our competitive advantage is customer service. And every one of those, every one of your competitors say the exact same thing. So we've got to get past these sort of techniques, these approaches, these what I call myths, of strategy so that we can get underneath that and get to what really separates companies in the eyes of customers. I mean, customers are sitting out there making a decision to buy a car or to go out to dinner or to buy a computer or to buy some clothing. Whatever it is they're getting ready to do, they're going to make a decision based on what the advantages are, what the value proposition is for them. And they quite honestly don't care who the employee is who delivers the meal at McDonald's. They didn't come to McDonald's to meet Sarah, right? They don't care who actually handles their bank transaction at the bank. They came there because of the bank. And then we can go down a long list of things. Perfect. So one other question that I had was, tell us a little bit about five-factor tests. What is that? And I guess give us a little hint of how you apply that for clients. Yeah, and this may take me a minute or two to do. So you go backwards. What really constitutes a competitive advantage? So there's been a tremendous amount of research. I mean, literally thousands of articles on this approach. And if I had created this approach, I think I would have called it the Bamford approach. But unfortunately, it's called resource-based analysis or some version thereof. So some consulting companies have called it VRIN. Some researchers have called it VRIO or VRIS. They come up with different names. But it all fundamentally revolves around five different factors. So you've got something you think is a competitive advantage. You're pretty darn sure that this element is what separates you in the minds of customers. Great. Let's analyze it. So the quickie version would be, is it relatively rare, right? First element. That is, is it relatively unique compared to my competitors? If you get past that, next one is durable. That is, how long do you get to hold on to this cool advantage. And the interesting thing is that you don't get to decide, your competitors decide, right? How fast or how well can they match you and will they match you? If it passes those two, we look at substitutes. What are the different substitutes for this cool thing that you think you have, right? And are they good substitutes or bad substitutes? If they're good ones, you don't have a competitive advantage. Fourth one is a quick one, and that is called tradability. I didn't make this up, by the way, it's, but it's called tradability or transferability. And at its easiest core, there are actually several elements to it, which we talk about in the book. But the easiest core is if you can buy it on the open market, then it's not going to be a competitive advantage because your competitors could do it if they wanted to. And finally, the fifth element is how do you get value out of this thing? You've just told me you've got something that's Rare, durable, non-substitutable, and non-tradable. How are you going to get value? And Elsie, we've studied this up one side and back down the other in the research. You can get value three ways. Number one, you can charge more. My personal favorite, by the way. Number two is it could just cost you less because you have whatever. You get a better basis point run than your competitors at the same price. Or third Customers will go past your competitors and come to you because you have this cool thing. And if you've got something that can get through all five of those elements, and you usually try to do this with a team, right? You want, to, you want your leadership team to do this with you together so you're fairly honest about it. 
Now you've got something. All right, let's go do some research. Let's go do some analysis. Let's go check with customers. Let's go make sure we didn't kid ourselves. But now we probably have something that's a true separator that we can now use in the market about why should you buy from me eyeball to eyeball with a customer? You should buy from me because, and it's now real. You've evaluated it, you've analyzed it, and you can go eyeball to eyeball with a customer. Perfect. As the old saying goes, Chuck, time flies when you're having fun. We've come to the end of our conversation, but I don't want to let you go without getting from you an actionable tip for the enterprisers to improve their businesses today. Yeah, well, I've got many. Make it real, right? So if you've got some elements, focus the entire organization around those elements because everything else that you do is just table stakes. It's just what's expected of you in the industry compared to your competitors. Focus on those two or three things that truly separate you in order to really be successful. Got it. And if folks want to reach out to you, learn more about what you do, or to just ask questions, how can they do that? Yes, sir. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a consultant, LG, so I try to make myself available. So if they type in my name, Chuck Bamford, I'm the first three pages that come up on Google, also through BamfordAssociates.com, or they can just email me. And again, that's on the Bamford Associates website, and I love talking about this stuff, so that'd be great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Chuck. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Enterprisers, if you got value from that awesome conversation, let the world know by subscribing to the email list and leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. That helps us know that we're bringing you golden nugget field conversations with the most inspirational business owners. Reach out at podcast at enterprisenow.net with any feedback or questions for me or any of my guests. Thanks again, folks, and we'll talk with you guys next time. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.